everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlock of the Cage podcast, I recap Yair Rodriguez versus Max Holloway and discuss whether or not a third fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway is the best option for both fighters. I also sit down with Chaos Williams, who had a big upset last Saturday, and we discuss John Jones firing back at his critics. Holloway versus Rodriguez. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez. What do you think, KOB, about the early fight of the year predictions? Stuff like that. It's going to be in the mix at the end. It's going to be top five. It's going to be in the mix. It's going to be up for an award, definitely. Yes? I I think it's going to be very hard to top Chandler Gaethje. It's just going to be tough. But this might be the number two, in my opinion. I know there's other options out there. But, like, this was really like a firefight for most of the fight until it started to become a wrestling match. Yes, but here, here's my little caveat here, and, and maybe I'm seeing this through the eyes of somebody who's once again been in this business for 20 years. Gaethje Chandler was incredibly entertaining. There were times when Michael Chandler literally threw his hands up and walked into punches. So it was entertaining partly because there were certain points where Chandler was a punching bag with legs. And I never got to that point with Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway. It seems like every exchange, even the ones Max Holloway was winning, even though I gave him, I think, four out of five rounds, I never felt as though he was out of danger. Is that fair? You get what I'm saying? There were times I was like, Gaethje's got this, right? Like Chandler's kind of throwing up his hands and winging the huge punches. But it looked fun, but I didn't really believe he could beat Justin Gaethje. Until the final bell... There, I didn't feel like there was a safe moment for Max Holloway. Is that a sound judgment? Uh, I felt comfortable with uh, the first. Like I said first round or two when it was like really going back and forth. They were just like letting bombs fly. Right, right. I was like, all right, yeah, you're throwing up the offense that we know he has, and now he stepped it up a bit. Like impressive coming back. Then when, I think once Max realized I could take this guy down when I want, that's when the fight changed. And for me, I was like, Max is safe. He knows what he's got to do now. Yes, but I didn't feel there was a time when. Yair was physically out of the fight. He was throwing punches and kicks to the end, and I, I didn't feel like Chandler was doing that by the end. I feel like Chandler no. was kind of, all right, like, you know, eating punches. Yeah, not, right? not, not like physically out of the fight, but he was yes. getting mounted pretty, pretty easily Yes, each time. Like when I felt, Whenever Max wanted to mount, he got it. So I was wondering if he, could, if he could pull a stoppage or even find a submission, which he tried to find a couple. It didn't quite work out. But yeah, there were some, there was some type spots for, though, for, for Rodriguez. There were, for sure, but... I didn't feel like there was an end point like there was with Gaethje Chandler. I felt like at a certain point, Gaethje had it sewn up and Chandler just wasn't providing meaningful offense. Yeah, it was fun. It was entertaining. This might have been a more competitive fight and that tips it over a little bit. This was a five-rounder. Let's keep that in mind as well. Gaethje versus Chandler was only three. Um, So that's kind of part of it, part of the whole thing to me. But it'll be in the top five at the end of the year. So we knew what Max Holloway could do. There was a little bit of what can Yair Rodriguez do? And I'll discuss what myself and my crew had to say about it. But this is what Dana White had to say about it. UFC Vegas 42, which is the other name for this card. Uh, The post-fight press conference. Here's what we had to say about Yair Rodriguez's performance. His stock didn't drop at all tonight. I mean, he came in and fought his ass off. He looked great. Um, You know, now it's just going to depend on what type of injuries he has go heal up and figure out what's next. You know, when you look at Yair, did you have any inkling, you know, you knew if he was healthy and had been competing, he could do this. But did you have an inkling that he could put this type of performance on being away 25 months and, and you know, 
after everything he had gone through? And everybody, anybody who's off two years, I never expect this kind of performance from him at all. And, and, and not just the entire fight, but like from the beginning, the, the fight started, his timing was perfect. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. He looked way, I mean, <laughs> this is where we, we differ a little bit. Um, where you and I, KOB, you, I thought 7-1, to 8-1 to one was insane. You said, man, 10-1, to one, I'm still taking Max Holloway. You really didn't, you were kind of dismissive of Yair Rodriguez. Did he impress you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. And I kind of laugh because every now and then, yeah, like, I think if you're an older fighter and you're two years away, it could be a little bit tougher. Sometimes for these younger guys, like maybe two years away where you just get to work on your craft, you're, no, you're, you're not going up against the elite. Like you're not. You're healing up. Right? Yeah, you're healing yeah. up. You're working on new skills. You're not going into, you know, the shark net that's down there. Like you're just not taking the beating. So you had this time to improve. I think that was part of probably I think I thought he looked in phenomenal shape. Um, just like body output. Like I was impressed with what I saw. Some of the things of why I was saying like, yes, Max is a seven to one favorite. I, t- I totally take that. We got to see because he still has some work to do on his takedown defense for sure. Yes. Um, and I did see little moments of like, you know, he was taking a little bit of a beating in, 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 in the mount here and there and giving up but like when he got back up to his feet man he started firing and i'll say this for yaya rodriguez this, this was my overwhelming thought watching that fight jimmy we t- we hear fighters all the time talk about like oh i want to go out on my shield i want to go out on my shield and, and there's always a little bit of a problem about what that actually means right what yaya rodriguez was doing was go out on your shield because i remember his corner being like look forget the game plan forget everything now you need you need a knockout to win this fight get out there and get it done be creative go do what you do like and, they, and he went out there actively trying to find something that's yes. going on on your shield. I'm going to go for broke because I know I'm losing, and I'm just going to try to take any shots I can to try to make this happen. That Yair Rodriguez did. It's the first time I felt like I've seen anyone do that in a while going into the fifth. Like, I need this. I'm just going to throw – I'm just going to go balls to the wall. Throw the kitchen and, sink uh, at him. Yeah, yeah, and leave it all here and find out where I am at the end. Max Holloway, as entertaining as he is, his style does not translate at 105 pounds. He's too easily hittable. Those guys hit too hard. He cannot walk through the punches of guys like Conor McGregor and Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. He can't do it. And part of his style is he takes a lot of punches. He takes a lot of punches. You can't do that against naturally bigger 155-pounders. Can't do that. So I think that's BS. I think he's going to have to take on Volkanovski. Him, Volkanovski, that's what we're seeing. What Max Holloway showed me against Yair Rodriguez, and I gave him, by the way, four out of five rounds. I only gave Yair Rodriguez round one. Uh, When I look at that fight, it is Volkanovski, Max Holloway, and everybody else is fighting for third. I saw Yair Rodriguez who might beat Brian Ortega. Right? I saw a guy that couldn't beat the Korean Zombie. I see a guy who can beat... Everybody up until uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. That's it. Volkanovsky destroyed Brian Ortega other than the triangle and guillotine he escaped. And uh, Max Holloway destroyed Yair Rodriguez outside of round one. These are the two best 145-pounders on the planet, period, end of sentence. But they've already fought twice. So what is the interest level? For Volkanovski versus Max Holloway 3. Do you really want to see it? Did this performance convince you it's going to work out better for Holloway this time around? I thought he won the second one. So did a lot of people. So, once again, what does Dana White have to say about this? Once again, UFC Vegas 42 post-fight press conference. This is uh, Dana White and his thoughts about 
Volkanovski versus Holloway again. I mean, it's 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 one of those things. The razor thin. He just comes in and puts on a performance like this. Just you know, uh, this is just this is a guy that Volkanovski is going to have to just get him out of the way and do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, if you're not a social media person uh, and you didn't see this idiotic video of Conor McGregor pacing in front of his television, looking at Max Holloway, it's stupid. And, of course, Max Holloway calling out Conor McGregor. Everybody does. He's the big money fight. This is what Dana had to say about that matchup. Is that what he said? He said, I want to fight Conor? I'm on the short list for, uh, for Conor McGregor, and he says it over and over. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, like I said, I don't know what's next for Max, but, you know, it does, it does make sense to see him in Volkanovski again. But uh, we'll get that figured out. Not, Connor's not even – Connor's still hurt. I mean, to even talk about Connor is silly. It's true. It's true. We, you know, we've seen him hit pads. We've seen him work out a little bit. We haven't seen him go through a full camp. We don't know what he can handle. We don't know what he can take. And I'm standing by this. Uh, my professional opinion that I don't believe Max Holloway's style translates very well at 155. He might beat a faded Conor McGregor. I don't think he beats Charles Oliveira. I don't think he beats Dustin Poirier. I don't think he beats uh, Justin Gaethje. Right? He has difficulty with Michael Chandler. Not that he can't outbox him, but he can't take one of those big punches. He can't beat Islam Makachev. So I think there aren't very many favorable matchups for him at 55. KOB, can we agree on that, that he should stay at 45? This volume style, he's not going to walk down these bigger guys who hit a lot harder. I really believe that. No, I agree. Like, if yeah. he wanted to make a move to 155, I wouldn't be against it. But it would, I would say, like, you know what? If that's a move you're going to make, then do it right. Take a year off. Build your body back up so you're a little bit. Because That was the most startling thing to me when he fought Poirier for the interim belt. Was like, dude, like, Poirier looks much bigger. Big, like, yeah. Like, yeah. much, much bigger. And to me, I was like, I'm not saying Max's skills won't translate, but right now he's too small for the division. Right. His style won't translate simply because yeah. of that size disparity. He's not a knockout puncher. Everybody talks about, oh, he landed like 15 million significant strikes. Yeah, and, and didn't knock him out. It, it just, he's not the hardest puncher in the world. Much like the Diaz brothers. They are volume guys. Volume and power don't go well together. They just don't. So that's an issue for him. Uh, last one, Volkanovski on with Ariel Hawani. And this is what he had to say about a fight with Max Holloway. You're zero and two, and you're trying to act like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll see this. And, mate, you don't want it? Don't worry about it. I'll get the next guy. There's plenty of people people waiting. But, again, I want the best guys. Max proved he's the next best guy. Again, nothing but respect for him as a fighter, but stop playing the games and all the bullshit. You want the fight? Let the UFC know. You know the UFC are telling you about it. They're telling us about it. You don't want it, hurry up, we'll see who's next. You know what I mean? Whatever. Again, I want the best guys. I'm getting into this whole legacy thing and all that type of stuff, and Max has proven he's still the next best guy. And Obviously, that last one was a was a very close fight, and people are, oh, yeah, you know, and, and saying things, and, you know, maybe there is still something to prove. It's a big fight as well. You know, I want the big fights, and I still think Max is, the, uh, you know, the, the biggest name uh, in, in, the, in the featherweight division as well. So, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I ain't going to push any bullshit. That's a fight that I want. If he wants it, he can have it. If not, there's plenty of guys in line. Champ shit, right? I'm the champ. You want some? Come get some. You don't want some? There's somebody else in line, dude. 
Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. My guest coming up was a slight underdog last Saturday, UFC Fight Night 197, Holloway versus Rodriguez, but against Miguel Baeza, he pulled off a sweet knockout that we are still talking about. Chaos Williams, what is up, my man? How you doing? What's going on, everybody, man? Great, great. Uh- Sweet, man. What did you think going into that fight? Baez, of course, um, a stand-up guy, a very hard puncher. He's very, very aggressive, right? A close loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio his last time out. A very experienced guy. He couldn't put him away. Um, Heading into it, as I said, a slight underdog against another hard hitter. What was your excitement level going into the fight, man? Man, I was just super excited going into the fight. You know, I was confident. And, you know, this was this was more of a statement fight. I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to let the people know, like, I'm here to stay. And, you know, keep sleeping on me. Dr. Will wake you up. <laughs> well, what did you feel about the fight as it was happening? What I, I generally ask a lot of fighters uh, is, was there anything that kind of surprised you, right? Was there anything you did? You knew his style. You had, you had studied your tape. Was there anything he did that surprised you early on in the fight? Nothing surprised me. Nothing surprised me, man. You know, uh, I adapted to everything, defended everything, and uh, you know, I just took my time. I didn't. I, I going into the third round, going into the third round, I was like, "It's a little close." My my coaches were telling me it's a little close, and I was just like, "They was like, man, you giving them too much respect." And um, you know, I had to go in there and I had to do what I had to do. You know. Uh, speak about that a little bit. Uh, I'm talking to, of course, uh, Kalen Chaos Williams, winner by knockout over Miguel Baeza last Saturday. Um, talk about that, your relationship with your coaches. We've talked about this recently where a lot of coaches tell their guys they're winning when we feel they're not or they're really getting beat up and they're, oh, you're doing great. What's your relationship with your coaches? How much do you trust them to give you the right advice in a situation like that, man? Man, you know, I trust them, man. Uh, I trust them. Sometimes I might be winning and they still tell me to go out there. They're always telling me to obviously protect myself, but, you know, we don't want to leave it to the judges, man. You know, for, you know, uh, yeah, that's really it. You know, but I trust them. The judges, I don't know what they be on sometimes. So we, 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 uh, we don't want to leave it to the judges. Uh, in this fight with Miguel Baez, as you were saying, you didn't want to um... – you wanted to, to let everyone know you're there, even though you're you're an underdog or anything like that, that you're a factor in the division. Would winning by decision, if it was close, you win that third round, and you had won by decision, would that have been good enough for you, man? Or did you feel you needed to knock somebody out to elevate your status at 170? I mean, it definitely would have still been good enough just because, you know, the main thing is win. So, yeah, it would have been good. I, ain't, I don't really know about good enough, but, yeah, it would have been good because, you know, we go in the 15 minutes and they see, like, okay, he's battle-tested. He can go 15 minutes with experienced uh, opponents, uh, with game opponents, with younger opponents, with black belts, with all type of people. So it would have been good, but it's even better with a stoppage. 
What are your thoughts on the history of your division? 170 is storied. It was my division 15, 20 years ago, whatever, when I started out. Um, some great names. You have a great champion right now in Kamara Usman. He's one of the greatest of all time. GSP, Matt Hughes. Being a factor in this division, d- does the history of it and how good this division has traditionally been, is that something you think about, man, that you're in basically a historic division? Man, I love this division, man. Yeah. And I don't really look at every what everybody else is doing. I be I, I stay in my lane and I focus on me being great. But I mean, I, you can't ignore greatness around you. You can't ignore like obviously Usman, GSP, and so on and so on. You know, you can't ignore like what they're doing and what they have done. But at the end of the day, like I just focus on my lane and, and focus on what I'm doing. But I see the division, and you know, we got a lot. It's, it's like our division. It's a lot of money fights in our division, yeah. and there's a lot of tough people in our division. So, you know, but like I said before, and I believe it, like I said before, man, I am the future in the division. I believe that. I believe that in my division, uh, it's a lot of older, um, it's a lot of older welterweights as well, you know? So not saying, like, you can never sleep on nobody, you know, and I never sleep on nobody. I mean, look at uh, the share, you know? Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying in general, like, you know, when you watch, I'm, I'm speaking, of course, to Chaos Williams, Kalen Williams, about his fight last Saturday in the 170-pound division. Did you see uh, Kamar Usman, Colby Covington, man? What did you think of that fight, their rematch? Very, very close. Do you, did you watch that as a fan and as a competitor? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Actually, I wanted to fight on that card, too. But, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to uh, fight on the card that I did. You know, meet Max and just the energy, man, and be able to be there in the apex with the little crowd that we did have, get the bonus that I did. You know, it was just the timing was just perfect. And it just wasn't meant for me to fight at Madison Square Garden that night. It was meant for Usman and Covington to, you know, headline and, and Rose. And it was it was, it was was day night, you know? So it's just what it was, man. But uh, it was a great fight, man. Great opponents, man. They they put, they, 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 they hey, the fans, man. When you look at them, when you look at them, when you look at Kamar Usman, Kobe Covington, they're clearly the top two in the division. After that, man, you know, he's mowed down so many other uh, opponents. When you look at the top two guys, how do you feel you match up with them? How far away do you feel you are from those kind of performances and that kind of spotlight, man? Not too far, man. Like, maybe uh, on some real, realistically, yeah. maybe two, two, three fights. Two, three for the most good fights, and I'm there. Has the so UFC between two to four fights? So has the UFC talked to you about that? You know, you, you get a big knockout um, against Miguel Bayes the last Saturday. Uh, you've got momentum. You've won two in a row. A lot of fans want to know, is it the next day? Is it the next week? Does it take a while for the UFC to get back to you about your next one? Do they plant something in your ear about when to be ready? When do you generally hear back about your next fight after a, a performance like last week? I mean, being that with my manager, because uh, I don't always talk to the UFC directly yet. Right, I ain't all the right. way up there yet. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> like with my manager, man, like, shoes, man, I ain't even get to put my suit on yet. We already talking about what's, what's next, you know? So that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about the future, man. And that's why I, I never admired my work too long. Like, I'm hungry and, you know, I just keep pushing. I keep pushing forward, man. Like I never get comfortable, and I'm always gonna keep grinding like I'm broke. <laughs> Talking to yeah. Kalen Chaos yeah. Williams.
uh, victorious last Saturday. Did you get a chance to see uh, Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez, man? Do you see it in the back? How was that? Yeah, man, it was a great fight. I, I didn't see it that night, but I seen it the next day. Like, I watched uh, my fight, and then I watched their fight, man. I was Them boys, hey, they put on the show, too. They definitely earned that bonus. Now, when you think about that, as a fighter and as a professional, we've been talking about today, that is six fights where he has gone five rounds, Max Holloway. And each one of those, it takes something out of you, right? I mean, every time you sharpen a blade, it gets a little bit thinner, and eventually it's not there anymore. At your point in your career, you are 27 years old. You've had 15 professional fights. You're right in your prime. What are your thoughts about something like that? It just goes to war every single time. It's entertaining, but it takes a lot out of you. How do you balance that as a professional, man? Hey, I feel like me personally, I like, like I said, it's not personal. It's just punishment. I like to get a punishment out. I don't like to take no punishment. I like to be able to get, get on, get on the show two, three days from now, interview the next day, throw my suit on, throw, throw my drip on and talk or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, Hey, when you getting paid that amount of money and when you the main events and when you've been a champ and when you going into these battles against these top five top 10 competition hey you savage mode it's gonna be like that and it's, it's do or die so i feel like we build different as fighters we build different this is not for the uh faint-hearted or the weak-minded and hey this ain't for everybody Michael Chandler said recently, he said, people don't remember wins and losses. They remember how you made them feel and how you entertained them. And what I said was, yeah, that's true. People do remember how you entertain them. But in a deep division, which 170 is very deep, 155 is very deep, you got to get those three or four wins to keep you in contention at the top. Well, how do you balance that? You got to win, but as you said, you want to be entertaining. How do you balance those two things out in a deep division, man? I mean, I agree with him on that because uh, the way you make people feel, that's definitely something that they're going to remember. You know, they're going to remember that over any material material thing. You know, like, it's like it's like this. It's like, say somebody, I meet somebody, and they want a picture with me or something. That might have made their day, you know? So, I mean, the way you make people feel do, do mean a lot. But as far as fighting goes, it is about winning when it comes to this division because, I mean, what they say, the, the average of what they say, like the spin for the UFC fighters, like two, three fights yeah. or something like that. So, I mean, hey, it's a business too. So, hey, you got to keep winning, keep leveling up, keep uh, keep building that stock up when they get to that belt. And, uh, yeah. I'm uh, speaking to Kalen Chaos Williams, victorious last Saturday over Miguel Baeza. What are the names? Because after this knockout, that's two in a row. You start thinking about top 15 guys, guys with a lot of experience, maybe getting on the undercard of a main event. Uh, are there any names on your radar right now, or is it just about getting back to the gym and letting your manager handle that? How do you approach it? Man, like I said, man, this is chess, not checkers. You feel me? When you when you get the when, when, when and I gotta say it again. You know, when you play in chess, the objective is to put that king in checkmate. When you knock off a couple pawns, you don't keep moving forward. You still got other pieces on the board. You got to strategically move around that chess board and get to that king and put that king in checkmate. And that's just what I'm doing, man. I'm moving. I'm, this is chess, not checkers, man. So I'm moving around the board strategically. And at the end of the day, anybody can get it, but it got to make sense. And, you know, I do let my, my manager... And my team do their job 
and I trust them to do their job well. So, how are you feeling right now physically? As I said, fifteen pro fights. You are twenty-seven years old. Of your thirteen wins, seven by knockout, one by submission, gone decision five times. You have a nice balance when it comes to decisions and finishes. How does everything feel physically at twenty-seven years old, man? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great, man. You know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't took as much punishment yet, but I know that. Uh, the more I get down the line and the more I keep climbing up, it's going to get like that, you know? So I'm just, I'm just thankful that I haven't sustained no major injuries and I haven't put my body through as much as a lot of people have, you know, some people even younger than me have, you know, but I mean, I've been through a lot though. So, you know, everybody got their own, uh, everybody got their own story. Uh, but when it comes to the training and when it comes to the motivation, one of the things that has changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years is guys don't spar like they used to. You, 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 you stay fit, you stay strong, you stay healthy, make sure your cardio is good, you check all your levels and everything. But guys don't go to war in the gyms like they did when I started because you realize you only have so many wars in you. Do you believe in that philosophy that you kind of save the wars for the octagon? Or do you really still go old school with the sparring, man? I'm very curious about that. I mean, two, two each is long. Me? Me, I'm old school. I'm old school, so I'll be going hard. I'll be going hard. So it's like when I do get in, and when I do get into the cages and stuff like that, man, it's it'd it be easy to me. You know, I train uncomfortable. I'm, I'm with a with a lot of different high level guys. Some people heavier, some people lighter, and but not too much lighter. Maybe like 155. You get on I me, mean? yeah. but I I I I, I, uh, I go hard, man. I go hard. But I train smart as well, though. I train smart as well. I don't go too hard. Like, if something – if I got an injury and, like – and I got a recovery, I got to recover, you know, because I feel like the recovery is just as important as the work. Uh, and I got to say, before I let you go, that you were the underdog last Saturday, and I picked you, and I made my listeners some money. So okay. I just want to say smart thank man. you real quick. Yeah, smart I picked man. you. Thank you. I'm, hey. I'm hoping – yeah, smart I'm hoping – You bet, man. I'm hoping I make some money on you next time out. Uh, Chaos Williams, man, really appreciate you. Appreciate the time. Best of luck with your next fight, buddy. Thanks, man. Hey, like I was saying, hey, appreciate you, man. The smart money best with me, man. They're going to keep sleeping on me. I I don't know what I got to keep doing. I I guess I got to just keep uh, turning these TVs off, keep uh, getting these viral moments. But, hey, they're going to put some respect on my name here soon. I always do, man. Appreciate you, bud. The game of basketball has taken over the world. Hi, this is Fran Freshella, and my podcast, The World of Basketball, is back for season two. Each and every week, I bring my many years of coaching and scouting around the world into conversations with players, coaches, and executives who give the game its international flair. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Check out World of Basketball wherever you get your podcasts and on the SXM app. We have John Jones, and you know what? All you people living in your mom's basement criticizing him and his, air quotes, domestic violence allegations that he, air quotes, hit his wife in front of his kids and the police had to be called. All you people getting on your moral high horses about that, he's got some roast for you. You ready? This is from his official Twitter. If you're still talking about what happened in Las Vegas but you're living at your mom's house. Your priorities are in the wrong place, my friend. You over there focusing on another man's troubles. I'm over here focusing on getting farther ahead of you. Uh, somebody put, my mama lives with me, John. There is a difference. 
I actually respect situations like that tremendously. If my mother was still alive, I would definitely allow her to live with me. I'm talking about you losers out there. Very rarely do happy or successful people take time out of their day to harass others on the Internet. How douchebag can you get that people who are openly critical about your crappy behavior we don't you know and once again i'll go over the case cop showed up there was blood on her shirt her face had been bruised according to the police there was blood on the bed sheets in the hotel he hit his wife okay and people who point that out are haters or they're just critical they're just you effed up and people have every right to be critical of you as a public figure. End of story. End of, we have the right to make moral judgments about what you do publicly. That is a matter of public record. No one's going after your sex life. No one's criticizing how you raise your kids. Nobody's criticizing anything inside the bounds of your home that doesn't involve the police. And yet it's somehow their fault. You are being unfairly targeted. That's the refrain of narcissistic people who end up getting caught doing something bad. It's everybody's after me. Hey, nobody went to your house looking for evidence. Nobody tapped your phone. Nobody planted a recording device in your house. Your wife came to the front desk of a hotel asking for help. You brought us into your life with your behavior. That's what irritates me about all this stuff. And the people who say, oh, man, in today's society, you can't do anything. Oh, man, this cancer. You brought us into your shitty decision making. No one made you wrap a car around a pole. No one made you fire a gun in public. Nobody made you rear-end a pregnant lady and take off. No, you did all these. You invited us into your house and then accused us of trespassing. Nobody went after you, John. You brought us into your life with your crappy behavior. The vast majority of fighters on the UFC's roster, I don't know how they are as husbands or parents. I don't know how well they freaking drive. I have no idea what their drug habits are. What PEDs they're on. I don't know. Because they don't publicly screw up every so many months and throw the doors of their life wide open. You have no one to blame but yourself. And your complete inability to acknowledge that is the issue here. Nobody's after you, John. You keep screwing up publicly. I don't like talking about your latest debacle, but you keep feeding it to us. You keep putting it in our face. What a screw up you are. And that's our fault? And this is a common refrain, right? When when um, Kamaru Usman talked about boxing Canelo Alvarez, and then as a consequence, he brings it up at a press conference. So the press asked Dana White about it. Dana White says, 
oh, come on, he doesn't want to fucking know. Why do you guys keep asking, can we stop talking about this? Those was exact words. Can we stop talking about this? As if the media is making it up. Dana, your fighter brought it up, therefore we are asking you. Your fighter started this. We didn't corner him and ask him about it. And yet it's somehow our fault. Nine times out of ten, the media is a reflection of a story, especially in MMA. Jimmy, why especially in MMA? Guys, I've been around MMA journalists. No disrespect to anybody. None of them are working at the Washington Post. Okay, none of them broke Watergate. None of them have contacts at the CIA. Okay, you got to bungle pretty bad to end up on the radar of MMA media. Speaking as a member of MMA media, I'm not. Kelly's not out there in a disguise in a fake beard getting me stories. She's not doing that. Okay, KOB is not out there with an accent trying to sell fighters drugs so I could talk I about. I would the if you thing. needed me to. I know you would, and I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, but. Do you know what I mean? They don't have the greatest investigative tools. You mess up publicly. There's a public police report that anyone can look up, and here we are. There is no deep throat meeting somebody in a garage. Okay, that's a Watergate reference for you young people. Okay? Kelly is laughing like, what are you talking about? The, The source for Watergate was called Deep Throat. That was his name. That was his code name. Okay, now you know. All right? So... I don't know why that's so funny. Smith I don't know why, history she, I don't know why she's laughing like that. Anyway, God, watch all the president's men or read the book. Okay, anyway, my point is. Jesus, um, read a book once in your yeah, life. Seriously. So, anyway, um, yeah, we don't have, like, great sources giving us stuff. You F up publicly, and then we turn around and go, oh, Dana, what do you think about this public screw-up? And then nine times out of ten, people, the fighters themselves, or the subjects of these things, Turn it around on the MMA media. It's like all we're doing is spitting back the facts that any idiot with a computer can look up. It's not our fault. No one's after fighters. No one's trying to make a story in MMA. Very rarely, okay, is it, man, Bloody Evil really did some great investigative journalism. It generally doesn't work that way, okay? So you F up publicly. You invite us, essentially, into your life. And then complain that we're overblowing things. Am I being fair here, KOB? Because it seems like it's a constant. Why are we talking about this? Because your effing fighter brought it up two days ago. Why do you think we're talking about it? You know? Well, I, I also like how, in so many words, he basically tried to pull the, the Kelly Murphy, we're all adults here, let's move on. Like, yes. Oh, if you're still talking about, quote, that thing in Vegas that happened in Vegas. like You beating domestic, your wife up? Yeah. The domestic violence thing? Yeah, I had the feeling some people are probably still talking about that, John. <laughs> yeah. Because we all know that there will be no penalty for you whatsoever. So, yeah, some people are probably still a little miffed about it. Right. Right. And, and so one of those things, and there are people who are openly critical of cancel culture, and that's fine. But one of the things about cancel culture, and one of the reasons it exists is people like John Jones rarely face legal consequences. Our legal system really isn't designed very effectively to take care of things like domestic violence. It just isn't. Okay? Any, any cop will tell you that who has to deal with it. So, in a sense, people getting at you on social media and reminding you of it and pissing you off all the time is their form of justice. Because you're not going to get legal justice. And so, yeah, people probably are bringing it up all the time, but hey, you're the douchebag who brought it on yourself and nothing's going to change that one. 
Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.